Section ninety two of the Brothers Karamazov by Fyodor Dostoevsky. Translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Book twelve, chapter thirteen. A Corrupter of Thought. It's not only the accumulation of facts that threatens my client with ruin, gentlemen of the jury, he began what is really damning for my client is one fact the dead body of his father had it been an ordinary case of murder you would have rejected the charge in view of the triviality the incompleteness and the fantastic character of the evidence if you examine each part of it separately or at least you would have hesitated to ruin a man's life simply from the prejudice against him which he has alas only too well deserved but it's not an ordinary case of murder it's a case of parricide that impresses men's minds and to such a degree that the very triviality and incompleteness of the evidence becomes less trivial and less incomplete even to an unprejudiced mind how can such a prisoner be acquitted what if he committed the murder and gets off unpunished that is what every one almost involuntarily instinctively feels at heart yes it's a fearful thing to shed a father's blood the father who has begotten me loved me not spared his life for me grieved over my illnesses from childhood up troubled all his life for my happiness and has lived in my joys in my successes to murder such a father that's inconceivable gentlemen of the jury what is a father a real father what is the meaning of that great word what is the great idea in that name we have just indicated in part what a true father is and what he ought to be in the case in which we are now so deeply occupied and over which our hearts are aching in the present case the father fyodor pavlovitch karamazov did not correspond to that conception of a father to which we have just referred that's the misfortune and indeed some fathers are a misfortune let us examine this misfortune rather more closely we must shrink from nothing gentlemen of the jury considering the importance of the decision you have to make it's our particular duty not to shrink from any idea like children or frightened women as the talented prosecutor happily expresses it but in the course of his heated speech my esteemed opponent and he was my opponent before i opened my lips exclaimed several times oh i will not yield the defence of the prisoner to the lawyer who has come down from petersburg i accuse but i defend also he exclaimed that several times but forgot to mention that if this terrible prisoner was for twenty-three years so grateful for a mere pound of nuts given him by the only man who had been kind to him as a child in his father's house might not such a man well have remembered for twenty-three years how he ran in his father's backyard without boots on his feet and with his little trousers hanging by one button to use the expression of the kind-hearted doctor herzenstube oh gentlemen of the jury why need we look more closely at this misfortune why repeat what we all know already what did my client meet with when he arrived here at his father's house and why depict my client as a heartless egoist and monster he is uncontrolled he is wild and unruly 
we are trying him now for that but who is responsible for his life who is responsible for his having received such an unseemly bringing up in spite of his excellent disposition and his grateful and sensitive heart did any one train him to be reasonable was he enlightened by study did any one love him ever so little in his childhood my client was left to the care of providence like a beast of the field he thirsted perhaps to see his father after long years of separation a thousand times perhaps he may recalling his childhood have driven away the loathsome phantoms that haunted his childish dreams and with all his heart he may have longed to embrace and to forgive his father and what awaited him he was met by cynical taunts suspicions and wrangling about money he heard nothing but revolting talk and vicious precepts uttered daily over the brandy and at last he saw his father seducing his mistress from him with his own money oh gentlemen of the jury that was cruel and revolting and that old man was always complaining of the disrespect and cruelty of his son he slandered him in society injured him calumniated him bought up his unpaid debts to get him thrown into prison gentlemen of the jury people like my client who are fierce unruly and uncontrolled on the surface are sometimes most frequently indeed exceedingly tender-hearted only they don't express it don't laugh don't laugh at my idea the talented prosecutor laughed mercilessly just now at my client for loving schiller loving the sublime and beautiful i should not have laughed at that in his place yes such natures oh let me speak in defence of such natures so often and so cruelly misunderstood these natures often thirst for tenderness goodness and justice as it were in contrast to themselves their unruliness their ferocity they thirst for it unconsciously passionate and fierce on the surface they are painfully capable of loving woman for instance and with a spiritual and elevated love again do not laugh at me this is very often the case in such natures but they cannot hide their passions sometimes very coarse and that is conspicuous and is noticed but the inner man is unseen their passions are quickly exhausted but by the side of a noble and lofty creature that seemingly coarse and rough man seeks a new life seeks to correct himself to be better to become noble and honourable sublime and beautiful however much the expression has been ridiculed i said just now that i would not venture to touch upon my client's engagement but i may say half a word what we heard just now was not evidence but only the scream of a frenzied and revengeful woman and it was not for her oh not for her to reproach him with treachery for she has betrayed him if she had had but a little time for reflection she would not have given such evidence oh do not believe her no my client is not a monster as she called him the lover of mankind on the eve of his crucifixion said i am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep so that not one of them might be lost 
let not a man's soul be lost through us i asked just now what does father mean and exclaimed that it was a great word a precious name but one must use words honestly gentlemen and i venture to call things by their right names such a father as old karamazov cannot be called a father and does not deserve to be filial love for an unworthy father is an absurdity an impossibility love cannot be created from nothing only god can create something from nothing fathers provoke not your children to wrath the apostle writes from a heart glowing with love it's not for the sake of my client that i quote these sacred words i mention them for all fathers who has authorized me to preach to fathers no one but as a man and a citizen i make my appeal we will swako we are not long on earth we do many evil deeds and say many evil words so let us all catch a favorable moment when we are all together to say a good word to each other that's what i am doing while i am in this place i take advantage of my opportunity not for nothing is this tribune given us by the highest authority all russia hears us i am not speaking only for the fathers here present i cry aloud to all fathers fathers provoke not your children to wrath yes let us first fulfil christ's injunction ourselves and only then venture to expect it of our children otherwise we are not fathers but enemies of our children and they are not our children but our enemies and we have made them our enemies ourselves what measure ye meet it shall be measured unto you again it's not i who say that it's the gospel precept measure to others according as they measure to you how can we blame children if they measure us according to our measure not long ago a servant girl in finland was suspected of having secretly given birth to a child she was watched and a box of which no one knew anything was found in the corner of the loft behind some bricks it was opened and inside was found the body of a newborn child which she had killed in the same box were found the skeletons of two other babies which according to her own confession she had killed at the moment of their birth gentlemen of the jury was she a mother to her children she gave birth to them indeed but was she a mother to them would any one venture to give her the sacred name of mother let us be bold gentlemen let us be audacious even it's our duty to be so at this moment and not to be afraid of certain words and ideas like the moscow women in ostrovsky's play who are scared at the sound of certain words no let us prove that the progress of the last few years has touched even us and let us say plainly the father is not merely he who begets the child but he who begets it and does his duty by it oh of course there is the other meaning there is the other interpretation of the word father which insists that any father even though he be a monster even though he be the enemy of his children still remains my father simply because he begot me but this is so to say the mystical meaning which i cannot comprehend with my intellect 
but can only accept by faith or better to say on faith like many other things which i do not understand but which religion bids me believe but in that case let it be kept outside the sphere of actual life in the sphere of actual life which has indeed its own rights but also lays upon us great duties and obligations in that sphere if we want to be humane christian in fact we must or ought to act only upon convictions justified by reason and experience which have been passed through the crucible of analysis in a word we must act rationally and not as though in dream and delirium that we may not do harm that we may not ill-treat and ruin a man then it will be real christian work not only mystic but rational and philanthropic there was violent applause at this passage from many parts of the court but fetchukovitch waved his hands as though imploring them to let him finish without interruption the court relapsed into silence at once the orator went on do you suppose gentlemen that our children as they grow up and begin to reason can avoid such questions no they cannot and we will not impose on them an impossible restriction the sight of an unworthy father involuntarily suggests tormenting questions to a young creature especially when he compares him with the excellent fathers of his companions the conventional answer to this question is he begot you and you are his flesh and blood and therefore you are bound to love him the youth involuntarily reflects but did he love me when he begot me he asks wondering more and more was it for my sake he begot me he did not know me not even my sex at that moment at the moment of passion perhaps inflamed by wine and he has only transmitted to me a propensity to drunkenness that's all he's done for me why am i bound to love him simply for begetting me when he has cared nothing for me all my life after oh perhaps these questions strike you as coarse and cruel but do not expect an impossible restraint from a young mind drive nature out of the door and it will fly in at the window and above all let us not be afraid of words but decide the question according to the dictates of reason and humanity and not of mystic ideas how shall it be decided why like this let the son stand before his father and ask him father tell me why must i love you father show me that i must love you and if that father is able to answer him and show him good reason we have a real normal parental relation not resting on mystical prejudice but on a rational responsible and strictly humanitarian basis but if he does not there's an end to the family tie he is not a father to him and the son has a right to look upon him as a stranger and even an enemy our tribune gentlemen of the jury ought to be a school of true and sound ideas here the orator was interrupted by irrepressible and almost frantic applause of course it was not the whole audience but a good half of it applauded the fathers and mothers present applauded shrieks and exclamations were heard from the gallery where the ladies were sitting handkerchiefs were waved 
the president began ringing his bell with all his might he was obviously irritated by the behavior of the audience but did not venture to clear the court as he had threatened even persons of high position old men with stars on their breasts sitting on specially reserved seats behind the judges applauded the orator and waved their handkerchiefs so that when the noise died down the president confined himself to repeating his stern threat to clear the court and fetchukovitch excited and triumphant continued his speech gentlemen of the jury you remember that awful night of which so much has been said to-day when the sun got over the fence and stood face to face with the enemy and persecutor who had begotten him i insist most emphatically it was not for money he ran to his father's house the charge of robbery is an absurdity as i proved before and it was not to murder him he broke into the house oh no if he had had that design he would at least have taken the precaution of arming himself beforehand the brass pestle he caught up instinctively without knowing why he did it granted that he deceived his father by tapping at the window granted that he made his way in i've said already that i do not for a moment believe that legend but let it be so let us suppose it for a moment gentlemen i swear to you by all that's holy if it had not been his father but an ordinary enemy he would after running through the rooms and satisfying himself that the woman was not there have made off post haste without doing any harm to his rival he would have struck him pushed him away perhaps nothing more for he had no thought and no time to spare for that what he wanted was to know where she was but his father his father the mere sight of the father who had hated him from his childhood had been his enemy his persecutor and now his unnatural rival was enough a feeling of hatred came over him involuntarily irresistibly clouding his reason it all surged up in one moment it was an impulse of madness and insanity but also an impulse of nature irresistibly and unconsciously like everything in nature avenging the violation of its eternal laws but the prisoner even then did not murder him i maintain that i cry that aloud no he only brandished the pestle in a burst of indignant disgust not meaning to kill him not knowing that he would kill him had he not had this fatal pestle in his hand he would have only knocked his father down perhaps but would not have killed him as he ran away he did not know whether he had killed the old man such a murder is not a murder such a murder is not a parricide no the murder of such a father cannot be called parricide such a murder can only be reckoned parricide by prejudice but i appeal to you again and again from the depths of my soul did this murder actually take place gentlemen of the jury if we convict and punish him he will say to himself these people have done nothing for my bringing up for my education nothing to improve my lot nothing to make me better nothing to make me a man these people have not given me to eat and to drink have not visited me in prison and nakedness and here they have sent me to penal servitude i am quits i owe them nothing now and owe no one anything for ever they are wicked and i will be wicked 
they are cruel and i will be cruel that is what he will say gentlemen of the jury and i swear by finding him guilty you will only make it easier for him you will ease his conscience he will curse the blood he has shed and will not regret it at the same time you will destroy in him the possibility of becoming a new man for he will remain in his wickedness and blindness all his life but do you want to punish him fearfully terribly with the most awful punishment that could be imagined and at the same time to save him and regenerate his soul if so overwhelm him with your mercy you will see you will hear how he will tremble and be horror-struck how can i endure this mercy how can i endure so much love am i worthy of it that's what he will exclaim oh i know i know that heart that wild but grateful heart gentlemen of the jury it will bow before your mercy it thirsts for a great and loving action it will melt and mount upwards there are souls which in their limitation blame the whole world but subdue such a soul with mercy show it love and it will curse its past for there are many good impulses in it such a heart will expand and see that god is merciful and that men are good and just he will be horror-stricken he will be crushed by remorse and the vast obligation laid upon him henceforth and he will not say then i am quits but will say i am guilty in the sight of all men and am more unworthy than all with tears of penitence and poignant tender anguish he will exclaim others are better than i they wanted to save me not to ruin me oh this act of mercy is so easy for you for in the absence of anything like real evidence it will be too awful for you to pronounce yes he is guilty better acquit ten guilty men than punish one innocent man do you hear do you hear that majestic voice from the past century of our glorious history it is not for an insignificant person like me to remind you that the russian court does not exist for the punishment only but also for the salvation of the criminal let other nations think of retribution and the letter of the law we will cling to the spirit and the meaning the salvation and the reformation of the lost if this is true if russia and her justice are such she may go forward with good cheer do not try to scare us with your frenzied troikas from which all the nations stand aside in disgust not a runaway troika but the stately chariot of russia will move calmly and majestically to its goal in your hands is the fate of my client in your hands is the fate of russian justice you will defend it you will save it you will prove that there are men to watch over it that it is in good hands End of section ninety two